Blog Talk Radio. for intentional living. Our mission for this show is to share stories, interesting interviews, and timely resources that will inspire us all to believe we can create an ideal lifestyle. So we invite you to hang out with us. It's going to be a fun show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Military Spouse Show. This is Wendy, and today on the show, Krista is joining me. Hi, Krista. Hey. How are you? We got a fun I'm show today. Great. Yes, I'm very excited. Yes, everyone. So, Krista Wells, the military spouse coach, uh, she is your co-host for today, and um, we're talking team leadership. So, if you are in the midst of going back to school and trying to get on a new routine with your kids, and one of those is a team, then this show is for you. We um, we know there's some challenges. And it's military life as it is for teens, and so we have a really cool show and a cool guest coming up. Um, and and I have a teen at home, so I need this show. <laughs> yes, Wendy, I'm sure that lots of people can relate with going back to school and teenagers that are, you know, perhaps dealing with deployment or just dealing with a new move, being in a new city. It's hard enough to be a teen, so when you add military life to the mix, um, it just becomes more com- complicated. So I am very excited to introduce one of my friends and colleagues, Dan Blanchard, today as our guest for the show. He is a team leadership expert. And I'm super excited to just pick his brain and get some tips and wisdom from someone that's actually walked the talk. Um, Dan is just an amazing guy. If you look at his website, granddaddysecrets.com, um, so many great testimonials on his website, and I can attest to those. I mean, he's just a really caring guy, a teacher down to earth, a dad, and I'm so excited that he's going to be on our show today to share his expertise. Um, just a teeny little bit of a formal introduction. Dan is not just a colleague. He's actually a two-time junior Olympian wrestler himself. And he was also a wrestling coach, and so I really feel like he can relate to um, those who have teams that are a student and an athlete and balancing the two. Um, You know, Dan admits that he was really focused on athletics, but I'm sure as a professional he can give us some hindsight 2020 tips. And Dan has completed 12 years of college and earned several degrees, so he's very overeducated and um, can help (laughs) us with all of those types of questions. I mean, he's just really an expert in his field. Um, you can tell when you talk to him, I mean, he just knows a lot about a lot of things. And in addition to his formal education background, he has been teaching in one of Connecticut's largest inner city schools um, as a high school teacher. And I believe it was, um, we're going to hear more from Dan, but I believe it was actually his high school students that inspired him to become an author um, many times over. So that's super exciting. And Dan has written several books that were inspired by his grandfather, who was a World War II vet. And, you know, I read his um, first book, and it was just so amazing and written in such um, 
such an easy to understand way that I think is applicable to you know myself in addition to teams. So it's just really really inspiring. Um, one of those books that just motivates you to get going, and he has personally motivated me um, to even start this uh, start a blog and start this internet radio show with Wendy and reach out to her and partner with her and. Um, has really been an inspiration. So I'm very excited to have him. And my favorite part of Dan to introduce is that on top of all his professional expertise, he is actually a dad to five kids. And I'm sure that makes for a very busy household. Because I have four, and I know that's really daunting. So five, wow, and a dog. So very excited to have Dan with us today. And um, hopefully we can all, you know, walk away a little bit more secure with how we're going to parent our teams going forward. So I'm super excited. So thank you so much, Dan, for being here. Well, thank you, Wendy, because I really appreciate you guys inviting me on the show. And, yeah, you're right, with five kids, things do get a little crazy. And but I guess you can't help but learn new things every day when things are crazy. And uh, I'm also very happy to be on this show because I, too, am a military veteran. I'm a double veteran of the Army and the Air Force. So, um, I mean, this is right up my alley. I love this sort of stuff with teens and military and, uh, you know, education and, you know, the whole going back to school that you guys had mentioned. Because, believe it or not, I'm back in school going at it again for another degree and more knowledge to hopefully make me a higher quality person so I can teach better things and be more effective with uh, the teens and the youth that I come across. Awesome. Well, that is awesome. And we are excited to have you. I just have one at home, and so I'm feeling like I don't even know what I would do with five. And my one is going to be a senior in high school. And, you know, living with a teenager with the ups and downs of emotions that they experience and uh, what I'm hoping we can do for our listeners today is, because, you know, it's even tougher if you, have a, if you have a deployed parent or if you've just PCS and you um, are in a new school in a new town and you mix all that up and it can be really a recipe for starting off the school year in a wrong way. So what tips can you share with us when it comes to just easing these high emotions of our deploy of our of our teams who might be, you know, in the middle of a deployment on the home front. I would say um one of the first things to do is you gotta manage your own emotions. Uh because kids can read you like an open book and they kinda go off of your cue. And one of the things that you gotta do is you gotta think that when things are getting chaotic, which they will, you know, that it's just managed chaos. That's all it is. Just managed chaos and that the people with the uh some of the best skills in the world Manage chaos every single day. So I guess in a way your, your, your students or your children uh, are helping you maybe move toward being one of the higher quality people of this world by uh, giving you all this chaos to manage. And uh, the other thing is, you know, just don't take it personal. Uh, you know, that's something we got to do in the real world too. I mean, I've, I've told many people out there that sometimes I think God put our family on this world to uh, get us ready for the real world. You know, so they go out there sometimes, you know, they're short-tempered and they say something that's rude. I mean, I get it every day. You know, my kids say something that's rude and I have to remind them to say, please, you got to say please when you say that, or, you know, that's not the right way to talk to me or something like that. And you just don't take it personal. And, uh, again, that's very good training. Your kids will give you very good training for the the real world when you're out there dealing with, uh, you know, beyond uh, the four walls of your house. So, again, if you can manage to... You know, just do that. Uh, you know, not take it personal and just manage the chaos. 
and, and keep somewhat of a calm demeanor, you know, this, use that inner voice saying that this is actually helping me and, you know, don't think like, oh, my God, I'm, they're driving me crazy. You know, use that inner voice that this is actually helping me, and that will keep you calmer. That will give you a calmer demeanor. And the kids, they read. They read, and when they see you stressed out and when they see that you're losing control, that's an added stress in the life that they don't need. You know, they're dealing with their own things, and they don't need that. They need somebody stable to look up at. So if they're looking up at mom, dad, or, you know, grandpa, whoever, or grandma, whoever it may be, Uncle Billy or whatever, I mean, whoever they're looking up at, they're, they're counting on that person to be the rock, you know, to be solid, uh, the, the person that they're going to lean on, the person they're going to follow their example. So uh, you just you can't, you can't let yourself lose control when these things are happening. And, it's, you know, it's very easy to lose control because life is chaotic and sometimes messy. Good reminder. Yeah, such a good reminder, right, Krista? Yeah, such a good reminder. And speaking of mirroring us, um, our emotions, I know that when I'm anxious, I notice some anxiety in my kids and also with our habits. Um, What I noticed this summer is that I was feeling really challenged by my kids spending too much time. I have preteens, not teens yet, but they're spending a lot of time playing video games, like on Minecraft. They're... Um, trying to tear them away from these video games and have some just quality family time, I noticed that when I was on vacation, I lost my iPhone. And it was probably like three or four days um, with me not having a phone yet because I decided to replace it when I got back um, to Connecticut. Um, my kids were saying, oh, Mom, it's so nice that you're connecting with us and you're not texting anyone and you're not trying to do work and be with us and balance that and it never occurred to me that they were sort of mirroring my behavior. Um, so I was like, wow, that's really so interesting that here I am trying to tear them away from their video games, and they noticed that I was away from my own technology, which leads me into a question that I know a lot of parents, um, my daughter's going to middle school, and I have a lot of friends with kids in high school, um, they have the same issue with what is, you know, what is the right amount of balance between the positives of technology and then getting carried away where your kids are spending all their time on um, Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever the new latest and greatest is? Um, You know, what, you know, can they be texting all night or, you know, what are the rules and how do we create a healthy balance where technology is a good thing but not overused? I'm so curious to hear Dan's insight for me and others on that front. I got to tell you, Chris, this is like a, a tricky one because there's probably no hard, correct answer. It's probably different for everybody. And uh, me and my wife are struggling with this right now, and, you know, she's uh, a little more sensitive to it than I am, and she's always yelling at the kids to get off of their, um, you know, their technology. And, and it is. It's, it's like all-consuming. I mean, you know how it is as adults. I mean, we get on it, and we're aware of how consuming it is, and yet we get carried away on it. So you can imagine the kids who don't have the experience that we have, how carried away they could get and how much it could consume them. So, like I said, I mean, I guess you've got to find a level of comfortability. And, and yes, I mean, the kids do, like, you know, it's crazy when you think you've got to text your own kid to get their attention. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> that drives you crazy, you know, when you've got to text them and there's no human interaction. So you've got to definitely find a way to do that. Um, you know, and different parents do different things. Some parents say... Um, and, I, you know, I've got a lot of students that I talk about this with them as well. Uh, you know, their parents say, you can have it one hour at night after your homework is done. 
And some parents say you can only have it on weekends. You know, or they, they, they time them or they, uh, they put controls, parental controls on it. And that drives the kids crazy, you know, when you put parental controls on it because they can't let go sneak it and they can't use it like they want to use it. But these are things that you've got to do. And, and, and I'm going to say something else that may have rubbed a few people the wrong way. But uh, lots of times when I find, like, adults stressing, you know, sometimes you just got to say, listen, maybe it's really not that big of a deal. If you really think about it, maybe it's just something that's going to pass. For example, I had a parent that told me uh, back a couple months ago that their kid swore at them. And I said, you're not going to like this answer, but maybe, maybe it's not that big of a deal. You know, maybe your kid's going to be fine. Maybe you just got to go talk to them and work on that relationship, and your kid will just have, like, a bad moment, and they'll never do that again. You know, maybe they're on these computers and... Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe we just go over there and just keep on working that relationship with them, and maybe they find us somewhat more interesting than the uh, computers. Uh, I remember when, when I was a kid, a lot of us were all, you know, a lot of the boys in the neighborhood were all playing baseball, kick the can or touch football, and we were doing that for hours upon hours upon hours, and we weren't, you know, right there with our families all day long. We were down the corner playing ball or whatever it was. Uh, Maybe this is just a different avenue. Maybe instead of playing touch football all day long or baseball all day long, maybe the kids are on the computers all day long. And then we, we want to get their attention. We need to find a way to get their attention or, you know, get them at the dinner table without their technology, of course. Um, there's another thing that I'm going to say that may rub the people, some people are the wrong way, but I think that as parents that we have the right, and I think I maybe even push a little farther than the right, maybe even the responsibility of being eh, a little nosy. I mean, you know, we, we have the right and responsibility to put, like, the parent blocks on there. We have the right and responsibility to, you know, put our nose in there a little bit and say, hey, who are you talking to? What are you guys talking about? What are you doing? And, of course, the kids aren't going to like that. You know, that's their, their thing, not to like that. But it's our thing to be aware of that and to be the parent and not be afraid of, you know, making our kid mad or, or having our kid cause us nosy. You know, don't, don't again, don't take, take it personal. Don't get upset if your kid calls you nosy. It's part of being a parent. You know, but I think today a lot of parents uh, won't go down that road. You know, they just don't want their kids to think that uh, they're butting into their kid's business. Well, I say as a parent, it's, that's you know, our responsibility is to butt into their business. I mean, you wouldn't mm-hmm. let a stranger come into our house, walk into our kid's room, and then us not walk in there and say, hey, what's going on? Who's this? You know? Right. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. Yeah, totally so we got to kind of do that with technology, too. Yeah, I've had that. I had a client that said she sensed that her daughter was kind of getting bullied via text, and she started mm-hmm. reading all the texts, and um, it really helped her to validate what was going on and be able to approach her daughter in a healthy way. And um, while initially her daughter was upset, she ended up feeling happy that she had her parents um, ask support and to help her work through the issue and be able to actually block the girl that was bothering her. So in hindsight, it was really effective um, that the mom was getting involved. And she said at first I felt like I was, you know, kind of like reading her diary because I was reading through these texts. But she said something was wrong and she followed her intuition and I think, um, that's a really great reminder, Dan. So thank you um, to that. When you when you think something's going on weird, you know it probably is. So it's good to step in. Yes, mm-hmm. that's that was a good mother. <laughs> yeah, I agree totally. I want to remind everyone that we're talking with award-winning author and speaker Daniel Blanchard, 
And his book is called Granddaddy's Secrets, Feeling Lucky, and Granddaddy's Secrets, Feeling Good. And um, you can find him at granddaddysecrets.com. So you can follow along on his website as we're talking to him here today. So as we begin school, Dan, I want to know if you have any advice for us when it comes to encouraging our kids to get involved in school activities like, you know, student mm. council and other clubs to where yeah, feel I think there's support. a two-pronged approach on that. Um, and I think that that's something kids need to be involved. And I'd say at least a two-pronged approach. I mean, one, as parents, you know, we, we need to, like, have our kids eating dinner with us. As they're growing up, and we need to be sitting down and having those dinner conversations with them and talking to them about the future and telling them about how important it is to read books and how important it is to get good grades, how important it is to be involved in extracurricular activities, and um, talk to them about how these things are going to get them to college, these things are going to make them friends, these things are going to make their life more enjoyable and more productive, um, you know, give them better jobs down the road. And we need to just always be planting that seed and, and I did that, I have five kids, and I did that with my oldest daughter. And she's now um, going into uh, eighth grade, and she's doing all these things that we used to talk about at the dinner table. And, uh, you know, she's taking Latin, she's doing very well in Latin, and uh, doing all, you know, involved in clubs and this and that. I mean, it's great. So I think that if we're constantly planting seeds, I mean, I, like, drive through um, local college campuses to show the kids what the future could look like. So if we're constantly planting these seeds and constantly telling them over and over and over again, you know, not in a nagging way, but like in an encouraging way, educational way, we tell these, tell them these things over and over and over again, these seeds are going to, you know, are going to grow. And these kids are going to be doing these things that we um, want them to do, to be involved in these clubs and these extracurricular activities and, you know, maybe to hopefully start loving, to love to read books. And, uh, you know, that's what we do at home. That's really where it starts. Now, if you're on the other side of the fence and you're like an educator, then I think the first thing you need to do, uh, you know, which I'm an educator also, is that you need to build relationships with students. Because lots of times students will come to your clubs or a club that you suggest because they like you and trust you. And if they don't like you and trust you, well, then you're not going to have much influence with them. But that's how, you know, educators get influence with kids, is you've got to build that rapport, get them to like you, trust you, uh, lead by example, you know, show them that you're active in the community and you belong to some clubs, maybe you run some clubs, uh, you know, that you always have a book around, you're reading, and you're always talking to kids about the positive things that have come out of your life because of these extra things that you've done, and you get them to like you and trust you, and then they will, you know, if you run clubs, they'll come to your club. They may not know anything about your club, but they'll come to it. Or if you suggest, you know, like, hey, you know, it would be a great idea if you went at the bait club. You know, they, they, they would go check it out just because you said so. You know what I'm saying? If you start mentioning good books to them, sooner or later they're going to check it out. You know, maybe they get the movie first. I don't know. But, but eventually they're going to look into that <laughs> and say, hey, what is this? I, I heard my teacher talking about this. I want to know who the great Gatsby is. You know, what was he about? <laughs> you, know? you know, who's this F. Scott Fitzgerald guy? You know, so uh, you start doing these things, you get them to like you and trust you, and you'd be surprised. You can get them involved in a lot of stuff. But like I said, you've got to build that rapport first. Mm, that's so true. Now I'm thinking about why I joined field hockey, and I think it was because my gym teacher was really cool, happy-go-lucky woman with tons of energy and charisma, and she 
happened to be the field hockey coach. So I remember that I did initially like her and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. Um, I never, I never put two and two together. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> my next question for you cool. is, I'm, I'm going to kind of date myself here, but I was recently at my 20-year college reunion, mm. and we were sitting around reminiscing, my, a bunch of girlfriends and I, and we were talking about college, and we all sort of had this, like, aha, like, what if we did college over, high school over, you know, what would we do differently? And the consensus from everyone, like guys and girls and everyone was like, oh, I wish I really studied more. I wish I put more energy into my academics than into my sports and um, other things that we were all involved with. So it's easy to say, like, you know, looking back, I should have done that. But now as a role model for our kids, how do we get them to enjoy sports but also put, you know, the energy that they should be putting into their academics and balance the two so that they're well-rounded but really getting the most out of their studies in high school and college? Yeah, that's a great question because then I know, like, the adults, our parents, our teachers, our coaches, they tried to get us to do it, and we fought it, and we tried to get the next generation to do it, and they're fighting it. And then, you know, you find out when you're getting into, like, maybe college years and maybe beyond, you you start really finding out what you want to do, and then you start throwing yourself in it wholeheartedly and wishing you had done it 10 years earlier or maybe 20 years earlier. You know, you would have gotten a lot farther at this point. And, you know, our kids will probably face the same dilemma when they're adults and they're the ones in charge trying to get the next generation of youth interested and, you know, more involved and uh, studying more and getting a better start early in life. So, I mean, that's a dilemma, I think, that's silicone that's probably going to go on over and over and over through the, you know, through the years. And I would say maybe one good way to combat it now is, you know, obviously you build that relationship, that rapport that I talked to, uh, about earlier. But I think that you really need to take a proactive role in helping kids find out what they're interested in. I mean, too often I think they find uh, maybe uh, school not fully connected with their passions in life and and they may not even know what they're passionate about. So I think it's really like we need, we need to get in there, get our hands dirty and find out, I mean, what is it that these kids really want to know about? You know, what are they really interested in? What would make learning seem like this is real, real-world stuff that really helps me right now? I mean, I don't know how many kids have told me over the years, uh, you know, they come into my history class complaining about algebra, saying, when am I ever going to use that? And I'm like, you'd be surprised. I'm like, listen, it's not about using algebra. It's about learning how to think is what algebra is. And when I explain it that way, the kids kind of look at me like, hmm, all right, well, I don't know, maybe there is something to this algebra that I didn't see before. You know, and I said, well, what is learning how to think going to do? You know, that's going to help you to learn faster when you're trying to get that job promotion in the future. You know, or when you're switching careers in the future, you know, those that can think well and learn quickly are the ones that get the advances and the pay raises. You know, so some those sort of things, explaining things in a different way, you know, about learning how to think or learning how to learn faster, uh, finding those things that they're really interested in, and then getting books in their hands, getting m- movies in their hands on that subject, getting music, videos, if there's, you know, whatever you can in their hands about that subject, and then tying it all back to, you know, school. You know, what they're doing in algebra is going to help them learn how to think better so that when they're moving forward on whatever this is, that they're able to think clearer and think better because of algebra, you know, uh, because of geography, 
you know, they got a, a notion of where these things are taking place that they're reading about. So you just start tying it all in there and making it real. And, you know, is that going to solve the problem? And the answer is no. I think that's always going to be an ongoing problem. But I'm with you. I mean, if we can find some little, like, magic solution to get the uh, people to take action earlier. And, you know, maybe, maybe part of it's like my teen leadership book and other books and other people like me that, start, that say, hey, you know what? You know, let's, let's get these other skills down packed. And when you get these other skills down packed, then uh, all of a sudden you're going to find out that you want to read more. You want to learn more. You want to be that leader. You want to be the one taking charge and making things happen and the one that's getting the good stuff in life. So if you can, you know, turn it into that, and I think we got something. Yeah, that's a good tip, Dan, because I feel like even now with my kids younger than teens, um, when I get creative with applied learning, it's just so much more enjoyable for them. My husband's also an educator, and I told him, I feel like my kids need to be writing or doing some work over the summer. And mm-hmm. he said, well, don't approach it like here, do a worksheet. You know, approach it in a creative, more creative way. So yeah, my yeah. two middle kids, I said, instead of saying sit down and work on your writing, cause they're, um, you know, they're young and they need to practice the writing over the summer. He said, yep. have them sit down and write their older sister um, a letter because she's away at Superway camp for the week. Mm. Um, she's at yeah. a horseback riding overnight camp. And he said, have them sit down and write their sister a letter, um, something that's more of applied, creative um, way of, bringing up things that they could be working on versus, um, Absolutely. you know, the, the boring mom, idea. like, here, do a worksheet. Um, yeah, so yeah, we want to I do a worksheet. Keep, keep thinking about applied learning as they get older and become yeah. teens. Um, I love I can that. I got to say, my 13-year-old daughter um, has her own website and blogs constantly about, like, movies she watches and books she reads. She's a prolific reader. She reads all the time. And she's constantly blogging, and her writing is excellent. I look at her writing, and it just blows my mind. And I'm just like, wow, you are so good you know, at this. And one of the reasons why she's so good is because she's always reading and always writing, and yet it doesn't seem like it because she's reading things that she likes. It doesn't seem like drudgery or work, and she's writing things that she likes. So it doesn't seem like drudgery or, or, or hard work. And she's wow, that's really another, good at both. Sounds like you're raising an entrepreneur like yourself. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Dan, tell us in the last minutes that we have with you, what are some other things that we can find in your team leadership book? Oh, you know, there's all sorts of things about, you know, getting up early and staying there late and not working the other and, uh, you know, and not going on instant gratification. Uh, there's uh, 100 Secrets to Success in my first book, which go right through the book. So there's no shortage of things there that the kids can find on every single page. It's just full of bits of wisdom and little leadership skills that can help improve the quality of life. But if you don't mind, I'd like to just side note this or sidetrack this for a second because there's something that you guys are dealing with the military kids. And myself being a former military, I'd like to just talk about that real quick about the military kids. Sometimes, you know, they're like upset that they've got to move to a new place and start over and make new friends. Well, I'd like to tell the kids out there that are struggling with this, with this starting over again, that it may be one of the best things that ever happened to them. I mean, there was a guy out there whose name is uh, Dave Novaks, and he's like the, uh, like the leader of, like, PepsiCo. You know, it's like Pepsi, uh, Pizza Hut, um, uh, Long John Silver's, uh, you know, obviously Pepsi, but I didn't say that already. And a couple others. The guy's got one million employees. So one million people work for him. He's the boss 
of one million people. And he says that the reason why he found the success that he was, he was able to find was because he was a military child uh, all going all over the world. Every time his dad got to, you know, put into a new place, he obviously went into a new place and had to start over and constantly make friends. And, and he had to make friends quickly. And he had to, like, learn about human behavior. And, and he learned all about these different people from different places that have different ways of living and different ways of thinking. And he said that it was, you know, in the beginning it seemed painful to him to be constantly starting over, but it was one of the best things that he ever did in his life, and it's gotten to where he is now. So I say to any military kids out there that are struggling, don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as a positive, okay? And you're going to be, you're going to be just fine. Oh, I love that. And that is Dan, great. Real quick, just tell us. Um, I know that we mentioned your first two books um, that you, you know, in the GranddaddySecrets.com, but you just are coming out with a third book too. Can you tell us real quick about what to expect in your next book? Yeah, the the uh, Granddaddy Secrets is a trilogy series of uh, the first book being a, a story of a tenth struggling tenth grader who uh, meets up with his estranged and mysterious. Uh, granddad, he was a former World War II fighter pilot. And uh, the second book, Feeling Good Out of the Granddaddy's Secrets, is the 11th grade story. And the uh, 12th grade story is the uh, Feeling Strong that I'm working on right now. Uh, the, the teen is getting ready to graduate high school, getting ready to go out there and take on the bit, much bigger world out there beyond the high school's four walls. And, uh, you know, he's taken to heart a lot of the bits of wisdom and leadership skills his granddaddy's planted in him. And he's at the point now where he's, you know, he's pretty sure that he's, he's going to make a big difference in the world. So it's a real exciting book. Um, the kid's a, 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 a student athlete, kind of an athlete first, but he's, he's learning how to be a student, and he's learning how to do some of these things that we've just talked about, like studying more and applying the success that he's had in the arena of sports to the classroom. Awesome. So we'll definitely put a link to um, Amazon to be able to get a copy of your book because it sounds like a really, really good thing for um, teens and parents of teens to get their hands on and get a copy of. So I'm very excited that you took the time out today to share that with us. And I love just the overall feeling like what can we, you know, what can we have positive about the uh, tumultuous teen years. So that's really, really a nice takeaway. Thanks, Dan. Great. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Dan, so much, and we hope to have you back on and talk more about that book in the future, and um, we just really appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak with us and our listeners. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. You've been listening to The Military Spouse Show. Our disclaimer is we're not part of any official government agency or the Department of Defense. The views and opinions expressed here by our co-hosts and guests do not reflect official government policy. Any advice we give is strictly the views of the co-hosts and our individual guests. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Military Spouse Show. As just a quick reminder, our guest today has been award-winning author and speaker, Daniel Blanchard. You can learn more about Daniel and his three books and even more at granddaddysecrets.com. That's granddaddysecrets.com. Thank you so much to our special guest, Daniel Blanchard, and we'll see you next time on the Military Spouse Show. 
you're listening to the Military Spouse Show, and we want to hear from you. So give us a call at 904-383-7896 and leave us a message that includes your question that you'd like us to answer. To connect with us online, visit MilitarySpouseShow.com. You'll find links to Krista's website and Facebook page and to My Military Life. We look forward to sharing this new show with you and getting your feedback.